Hello, welcome to Turk Manor podcast with me, Jimmy Robinson and others. John Huddleston. John Huddleston. That was awful. I was gonna I was gonna keep that going for a bit, but it wasn't gonna last, was it? Uh hello everyone, welcome back. We're back again. We're still unbeaten. Everything is gravy and nice. Um, I spent today, chaps, putting up Christmas decorations, and we're not even in December yet. John, that is that is, controversial? That is one hundred percent bad form. I expected a jingle booing yourself. Then yeah, yeah, it's that, still in November. Form. It's still in November. But I like Christmas. What can I say? It's got to take over into December. Dems the rules. Connor, you're back. I am. I'm back, and I'm happy to be back, especially after such a nice win. Yesterday, it's put Lovely me in stuff. Mood. Connor, what was your all-time favourite Christmas present? What? Oh Christ! Uh, I don't know. I uh, do you know what that's like. Literally, oh, actually, it's probably, probably my speaker that I still have to this day now. That's about five years old, and it's an absolute beast. That's probably speaker. my favourite Christmas present speaker. ever. Speaker, not even yeah. like a Mighty Max or like a Digimon or something. Uh, I can't remember. Speaker. My main thing is is. I can't remember what I used to have as a kid. Like generally, my memory is so bad. Like, I can literally remember barely anything in my childhood. So I can't even remember what I used to get. Maybe well, no, I don't know, like a DS or something like that, Nintendo DS, something like that. Okay, better, better, Jack. Yeah. I'm, I'm guessing that you've been thinking what yours would be. Um, I don't or know. Not. I did. I did. I, I still have it. It was my first ever uh, personalized Oxford shirt. I had Andy Woodman on the back of it. And uh, I've still I got knew that. someone was going to mention an Oxford shirt. <laughs> Andy that's, obviously, that's a proper Christmas present. Yeah, Andy Woodman, legend. Which kit was it, do you reckon? Was it uni part? My thing, I'm, uh, it I'm was going... a, a silver build base goalie kit. Build base, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, nice. I've shown a lack of knowledge there, haven't I? I've really opened myself up for criticism. <laughs> I, should, I should move swiftly on. <laughs> anyway, on to the news. Do you think we need to lawyer up, lads, as we go yeah, into this new, this new this new era? Yeah. Oh God, <laughs> going again? <laughs> no copyright. No copyright. We had, we had this a bit last week where the jingles just went on repeat, like, by no fault of my own. But anyway, sorry, John, we're in, intruding news time. Well, the opening bullet scene was going to be Manor podcast taken <laughs> off air due to copyright infringement notices back into time. <laughs> <laughs> So you kind of um, you shot that bolt out of the corner. Um, slow news week, so we can move swiftly on from that jingle um, fiasco. Um, big thing this week is the confirmation about the Muriel. The Muriel? Mural. Hello, Muriel. Luis <laughs> Muriel. Um, Luis Muriel, I was going to say. He's, he's, a striker. he's, he's signing for uh, Oxford. Yeah, that's the big news. Um, that's been going ahead for the Man City game on the East Stand, and I think massive praise for Oxfox for for getting that done. They were talking about doing it for the Man City game, but apparently there's some other secret activity going on by the club, and I think it's it's better to go with a a league game rather than a a one off. So yeah, huge praise to Oxfox for getting that sorted. Um, otherwise, I think we should just rename rename the new section. How much are you 
scared of January transfer window after we continue to do really well because this week yeah. Carl Robinson's been talking about his plans for the January window and repeating the point that you know we, we don't we're not looking to sell but obviously there's going to be a lot of interest and he's revealed that Matt Taylor's top priority I mean yeah <laughs> couldn't definitely couldn't argue with that one um but also looking at a pacey winger and left back cover um but Cadden seems to be ruled as looking very likely to be recalled, but some talk of, of looking at speaking to them. To me, they, those three all make sense, but Cadden seems to be an open, just up, left up in the air, and one would assume they've got a plan for that. But do those three positions make sense to everyone else? Yeah. Yeah, I think so as well. I think left-back cover is something that's required. Um and obviously, depending on the Cadden situation, we might have to be looking at the other side as well. I mean, obviously, we've got Long, but you know, he might also need either backup if if he's going to be the, the starting player if Cadden goes back, or you know, looking to further strengthen that area. But I definitely think Matty Taylor should be the number one priority. I was only talking to a friend on the phone just before the podcast about it, and I say he's he's from Oxford, and he said exactly the same thing. I think Matty Taylor's got to be top top priority. I, I think we're going to have to recruit a centre midfielder as uh, Brannigan spent his week off updating his CV and whacking a, yeah, a goals reel on Twitter. Yeah, um, Some comparisons were being made with what um, Callum, Mr. O'Dowder, did um, just before he left or a few months before he left where he did a similar thing on Twitter. And also both have very involved fathers. There was another comparison being made, which is fair. You expect fathers to be involved, but they seem to be in the limelight somewhat. But... Um, yeah, I, I still expect we're going to have to um, backfill Mr. Brannigan in January. I'm not convinced. Good. I hope you're right. Yeah, yeah I hope I'm right as well, to be honest. I just think, uh, I, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a substantial amount of money um, to, to pull Brannigan away from us. Um, and obviously yeah. there are clubs that can afford that. Um, you know, I'm not saying that, but I'm hoping that he does stay. It's just even, you know, like we've said before in previous podcasts, just to the end of the season, because you know he's a such a key player for us, and I really do think that the, the promotion charge would be led un, under him if he, you know, if he sticks around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it does seem quite planned in terms of drawing up potential replacements, and there must be something going on around Cadden because everyone seems far too relaxed about it. But maybe that's just, I, I agree with you, Connor. I think Brannigan's, I think we'll probably just about get away with that one. I think as mentioned on the last pod, Dicky likely be potentially a summer move and Fossil, I don't think anyone will come in at, at this stage. He's, no. he's only really started doing it for six months consistently. So yeah, I think we'll just every single week, just all cack ourselves after another win <laughs> potentially and um, just take it from there. <laughs> um, the only final bit of news, and it's, it's a bit of a random one, but I suppose it goes in the international news section that we, the under 16s played a Indonesian side, Garuda Select, which was live on Indonesian TV and I couldn't tell James whether you were joking when you sent some links through and said Andy Townsend was on commentary yeah he was <laughs> Andy Townsend is now commentating on Indonesian TV for when they're playing a, a young Oxford United side at a training ground so he was once uh, the commentator on the FIFA games back in the day you know how his career has gone downhill well I remember I remember Andy Townsend's tactics truck on the uh, Premiership on the ITV. <laughs> so you're really talking about a massive fall from Townsend's tactics. Absolutely. But anyway, they, the youngsters didn't crack under the pressure on international um, TV and secured a 1-0 win. So 
I think the international news section will be limited throughout the season, but I thought it was worthy of, of mention. <laughs> but that's yeah. that's the news, I think, unless I've missed anything stupidly obvious. I think we're good. Ah. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I was so... just about to do that. Speak <laughs> you through it. Yeah. So we won again, chaps. Woohoo. It's get we, we get it's, it's just becoming oh. the norm now, isn't it? It just feels weird. Can, What's that? Fifteen unbeaten. Can we not have the celebratory jingle? You know, I've updated the jingles, Connor, oh, and I, it's not in my little list. I'm actually it's actually a mistake that I've made now. Thanks well, for pointing that. Well, I think I think more of an effort is required from John and Jack then, because we've given our yays and they've done yeah. nothing. So little yay, lads. Step up, step yay. Up, get in. Get in, get, get in, in you. Yeah, it now becomes about <laughs> when are we going to lose? That's the sad thing about it. It's like when with this can't go on forever, or maybe it can. Well, it could. I think Man, I think Man City might be the one where we slip up. But it doesn't doesn't count though. Game, it? I don't, so I it doesn't count. Yeah, doesn't it doesn't count. count. Yeah, I don't care about that. Yeah. Anyway, um, as we talked about on the pod last week, so Southend's form coming into the game was pretty awful. You could describe it as hilarious. I'd say. Uh, so they played 17-1-1 game, which was against MK Dons, where I think Gary Waddock was in charge at the time. They've drawn two, so they had five points coming into the game. Um, obviously, as we said last week, that made us all very, very nervous because we last won at Southend in 2003 in what was the old Division 3. And looking at back at that team, we had Dean Whitehead in the lineup, and he was inside for a 1-0 away win, and Mark Rule scored the only goal in that game. And guess who Mark Rule signed from? found this quite interesting. Well, I was obsessed with Mark Rule, so I know that it was South End he came from, but I absolutely, yeah. I absolutely loved him. Well, he came back to haunt them. Um and then we were haunted for <laughs> what 16 years. <laughs> so. Uh so Campbell obviously appointed South End manager uh, last month and he's yet to taste victory, so everyone was just extremely worried, especially after how he nearly got the job with us and all of his comments and greatest mind in football stuff um yeah it just i really saw it happening um anyway 905 oxford fans made the trip all hopeful that we could go as high as third in the league with a win but many uh obviously conscious of how great we are historically of being that team who opponents kind of end their bad run against um we are very good at that i think it was berry wasn't it in that the season a couple of seasons ago where um they had Maguire at the time and they just, they won like barely any games all season, did the double over us. We've just we kept on being the, the team that they ended their runs against. Great fun. Um, I tried to kind of gauge confidence levels across the fan base. So I did a quick poll on our Twitter account. Uh, basically, uh, 18% thought that it's South End, so we're going to lose. 12% draw, 34% scrappy win, 36% resounding victory and because i'm an absolute cretin when it comes to twitter i forgot i just kept the poll running beyond the game <laughs> <laughs> so i just noticed a few people resounding a few people victory. were adding to Pops the resounding up. yeah yeah i was like oh, i voted for I scrappy win earlier uh, yeah i put yeah i put scrappy win so thankfully i was i was wrong well, I would have taken. I think most of us would have all taken a scrappy win. Oh so, yeah. yeah, I mean, not being funny, I'll take three points, whatever. There's, you know, whatever. But thankfully, yeah. it was a bit more entertaining than that, wasn't it? 
It was indeed. So uh, the lineup: no Brannigan, still injured. Uh, as I mentioned, he kind of spent his time off um, whacking goal reels on social media. Uh, Cam's absence basically meant that Baptiste was set to start, but he tweaked his. I think it was it his hamstring, Jack, that he tweaked. Something. Yeah, I think so. It it just seemed a sudden one, though, didn't it? Um, that it, it was yeah. literally just before kickoff by the sound. So, um, well, hopefully it's not too serious. Yeah, I was in the middle of a Twitter dialogue with someone about Baptiste, and then it that I just was watching. I was streaming the game, and I just saw that he wasn't on the pitch. It was very confusing. But anyway, so the ever versatile uh, Ford came in for him into the midfield three. Um, is it fair to basically the, the dialogue I was having with someone was around Baptiste? So you know we were saying that this he's getting another start. He's been relatively inconsistent of late. Um, is he kind of? I, I guess Jack, do you think he's given more freedom to make mistakes than others due to his kind of age? The fact, he's still developing. He's one of our own. He's still in credit from the West Ham game, etc. What do you reckon? Yeah, I, th- I think it's always the thing when we have a, a young lad that's come through the academy, they, they do get a bit more um, time to, you know, less criticism is aimed at them. Um, but I do think with Baptiste, it is one that he need he needs to start living up to this kind of, um, what's the word? Yeah, ex- Reputation that he's got of being yeah. the next big thing. Um so no, it's a shame he didn't play yesterday. And the the problem he's had previously is he keeps getting injured every so often. Um, so he can never actually get a run in the side because something seems to happen. Um, but if it was just a tweaked hamstring, he presumably okay for next week. Yeah, um, there were also comments on Twitter about Robbie Hall not being included in the starting eleven after obviously kind of excelling in the cup games. John, do you reckon he was unlucky not to start? No, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, he's come a hell of a long way in the last few weeks but given we expected it would likely be a bit of a battle and didn't turn out that way you'd, you'd want to probably a, a more stronger core I think in the team and Sykes deserves to get a run of games he seems to be very unlucky about always on the cusp of getting chopped in and out and I think he he needs a run of games and, and Rob Hall is an impact player and you could argue if they were tiring and we needed a goal in the second half he's your perfect person to to bring on, but probably isn't there for the battle in the first 30 minutes. So and I thought it was, I don't think he was yeah. that unlucky. Yeah, Connor, you've said before, haven't you, about Sykes, you just want him to get that first goal. I'm in the same place and I felt like it would have really hit his confidence if he was stripped out. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I also agree with what, what John's just said about Robbie Hall. I think Robbie Hall is an impact player. Um, and obviously impact players don't often start. I know it sounds quite weird to, you know, to stick a, a sort of label on him like that, but well, particularly after his performance in the cup, but obviously it's you know it's league opposition this time, um, and you know I agree. I think Sykes Sykes deserves a bit of a run in the team, and I like the prospects of Sykes. I just I have a little bit of a soft spot for him, so I was quite happy to see him start. Uh, it's that time. Irish Irish connection. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I mean he's yeah he's Northern Irish, and I live in Northern, Northern Ireland, so you know there is a little bit of that. You know, go on. Well, actually no, that's complete bullshit. There isn't that at all. But you know, I just like him. Oh, he swore. There isn't. Oh God! Oh, here we go. <laughs> Christ! It's all right. It's illegal. I'm sure I'll, I'm sure I'll get. I'll get to me that. out. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, k- kick off and go. 
So well, how, lo- how long did it take? 53 seconds, Matty Taylor grabbing his second goal in three uh, league minutes, actually, after obviously notching right at the end of the game against Pompey. That was his seventh goal in 10 games. That grizzly beard kind of majestically flowing through the sea, sea air as he kind of wheeled away in celebration. But yeah, great early kind of high press from us leading to basically shambolic Horrendous defending from South End seemed to be just intent on passing the ball around at the back. And that's it's a running theme that goes through the game, actually. But eventually was just their left back, played a blind pass across the back line, straight to Taylor in the box. Cooley slots in at the near post from five, six yards out. Job done. Uh, we talked about the importance of an early goal on the last pod, but Jack, I don't think we predicted... I don't think we predicted this. No, I mean... It was unbelievable from Southend. I've I've watched it back three or four times and it was almost like they were determined to give us the ball. Um, (laughs) And actually, to be fair to Matty Taylor, that's a cracking finish. Um, Yeah. Because I was expecting him to go kind of across the keeper to the far post. But yeah, he he again shows why we just have to make him permanent in January because he's a proper striker. That's right. You enjoy that one, Connor? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think... I was going to mention this a bit later on, actually, but I'm going to, I'm going to mention it now. Um, you know, the whole thing about, obviously, they look determined to sort of give us the ball. And it's the same with the um, with the second goal as well. I think Carl Robinson mentioned about how our pressing game was on point, though. Do you know what I mean? Like, OK, they might have given us the ball, but we were in the right places to pick the ball up. And the trigger points were there um, of when to press, when they have the ball in certain areas. So I think it's also a bit of credit to us for being in the right places. Yes. And obviously, again, with Taylor, it's just a class finish, isn't it? You know, what... What more do you expect from him? Because he's a goal scorer and he's proven it. I found it staggering, almost naivety in a way from South End. I mean, not just because you're at bottom of the table doesn't mean you have to start hoofing it. But to a degree, if you've got a team that you know are going to press you to pretty high, don't. Yeah. And I know it's 50 seconds in, and you want players to have a touch and all that sort of stuff. But you just shouldn't be at that that deep where they were. I mean, they were three, two or three feet off the off the touch line. That should have just been going long at that point. And I, I just yeah. couldn't believe it. And it's the same for the second and all, all the way throughout. That's right. So before we actually notched that second goal, Henry broke clean through. I think he was played in from Taylor, but his first touch kind of let let him down a bit. Gorin was then booked and banned. So he'll be banned uh, for the next league game. I, I thought it'd be the next domestic game, but it's the next league game, which is a week on Saturday against Shrewsbury. Yes, it's what it says in the notes. <laughs> I'm guessing that's yeah. right. No, it's right. Um, yeah. Uh, and then we do go and score. And this was quite funny uh, because, again, in our little Yorkshire Yellows WhatsApp group, I was as I was watching <laughs> the game, I, I made a comment and just said, Henry's not having the greatest game at the moment. Um, and then literally 10 seconds later, he just picks up the ball again, as we said, Southend intent on passing the ball out from the back. Um, this time it was the centre-back, just played it straight to Henry under kind of no pressure. And then just decided to back off rather than going in for the challenge. And J-Mo just stroked it home into the far corner from outside the box. It was a proper laces strike. And we talked previously about how Henry can fade in and out of games, but uh, he's extremely clinical, right? And his distribution and finishing um, is just absolutely on point. Uh, Jack, enjoy the goal. Yeah, and it's becoming the kind of goal that he scores quite regularly now. He seems to have kind of an ability to just make space with a touch. Um, and I thought when I saw it back on the highlights, I thought um, 
I was surprised he shot, to be honest. But as you say, it was such a good strike with the laces that the keeper was never getting it. Yeah. And what was interesting, um, so that was a great goal, obviously 2-0 up um, inside 35 minutes. He Henry, did you see this turn? John, I don't know if you caught it or whether they put it on the highlights, but at the time, Henry basically did this kind of unbelievable turn where he megged his opponent. It was kind of like a Cruyff turn or like a chop. I don't know how to describe it. Uh, but he ended up breaking clean through in the box. Um, and this one was probably an easier chance to shoot than the one he did score, but he squared it towards Taylor and it kind of um, faded out and got cleared. But did anyone notice that, John? Did you see that? No, I did. I'm, I don't think it's what was included in the, the highlights, which is all that I've seen. There was a touch where Fossey sort of flicked it off and Henry broke through. That was quite a neat move, but I don't think it's the one you're you're describing. Oh, did, any, did anyone see it? Uh, I didn't. I didn't see That's it, but I, but I heard. I heard it on the radio because I was sat. Um, I was sat in a coffee shop just doing doing some work, and uh, I had my headphones on listening to it. And I heard, you know, when you said about it, he trying to square it instead of shooting yeah. on the radio, yeah. they were like, "Why wasn't he shooting?" But you know, you know, when you listen to something on the radio and you go up, 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 sort of like, "Go on, go on," that sort of thing. And I remember sat there listening, and my hands were like in the air, like, "Yes, yes." <laughs> like just like sat on my own in this coffee shop. Like people must have been like, "What the hell is he doing?" But then obviously we didn't score from it. But no, they mentioned the turn, but they didn't really give much detail. And obviously uh, you were being naughty, weren't you, with the way you were watching it? But we won't mention that. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna find <laughs> that and then um, I'll find that clip and I'll post it somewhere so you can see it. It was glorious. Yeah, I do want to see uh, it. Obviously, you sound like but that. Yeah, that was an it. Orgasm over it. I mean, it was glorious, but it's the thing about Henry, as I was mentioning, he went half an hour without really being involved and then suddenly within five, ten minutes, he switched on and he's absolutely tearing them apart. Um, What was interesting at the end, he did indeed. At the end of that first half, we had 35% possession, uh, but obviously we were clinical, had 11 shots, seven of which were on target and we probably should have been three or four up with the chances that we had. Um, Jack, kind of first half assessment. Were you feeling confident going into the second half? I was still a little bit on edge, just expecting some kind of barrage from them. Well, we we said last week, didn't we, that if we get an early goal, they'll crumble. But in kind of true pessimistic style, I was expecting them to come and give it a right go in the second half. Um, but obviously, we I think we scored quite early again. Um, so we, we we just seem to have the habit at the minute of scoring at the right time to help us in a game. Yeah. And in in previous seasons, we've not really been able to score in good times, if you see what I mean. So we we do seem to score quite a few early goals at the moment, which is uh, very helpful. So we get into the second half. Uh, Sykes had like an awesome little touch and a turn on the right-hand side, which allow, allowed him to kind of drive into space on the right wing, crossed it. it. The ball eventually found its way to Fossu, who kind of found a yard, got a shot off, pinged off the post, and Southend got away with it. Sykes generally had a good but kind of inconsistent performance, and his decision-making wasn't quite on point, but he was still effective in most of the stuff that he was doing. He seemed to get himself into the right position, get into the right space to kind of pick out a cross. But you could see some of the players were a bit frustrated that the balls weren't played earlier. Um, Matty Taylor a couple of times wanted the earlier ball played across the line but he didn't quite come but you know hopefully that's not a big deal and um, again I think he probably didn't have to retain his place going into next week Uh, but from this moment onwards Southend kind of came into the game more and more and you could tell that early pressing that we talked about was kind of taking its toll but 
KR in like the reaction was kind of saying after the game that that was all part of the plan that we would we would need to soak up a bit of pressure that we would need to sit back a bit which was relatively reassuring you know I'm, I'm guessing that's the truth rather than a <laughs> just a, an assessment to make it feel like it was all planned but it kind of made sense and that's the way it played out they weren't really causing us too too many problems um one thing that was a bit of a concern that did lead them on to us a bit was that that kind of gap between Taylor and the midfield kind of opened up massively as we moved into the final third of the game. So again, sitting back a bit, soaking up pressure, not retaining possession. Um, I think I'll put a comment somewhere, but not having Brannigan there in the middle of the park. Um, John, I don't know if it was something that you thought or listening in or watching any of the highlights, but not having that player that can kind of get his head up, that can... What I find Gorin will do is very tidy on the ball, but he looks backwards for the pass and is more focused on keeping the ball. Brannigan is more head up, composed, takes his time to find that ball. But we seem to be kind of skipping through the lines, like going straight from defence looking for Taylor, and it seemed to mean that we weren't keeping hold of the ball. I think it's the, the partnership of those two players that you've mentioned is is the key thing. So Gorin is the one that is kind of marshalling and channeling a lot of the play, but he allows Brannigan to push up a bit more and be perhaps closer to Taylor. So yes, it is about Brannigan, but equally, I think it's about, he creates the structure that probably Foster and Henry know where they need to go. I think a lot of the team is built around those two players and they kind of force other people to go in the right place. So there's, there's possibly a bit of that. And as you say, the press, I mean, you'd think in a way they would want to press for as much of the game as, as possible because it's a bit of a gamble if we don't get score when we are pressing high because then if there's not a, switching tactics it, it may not work out but I think it's to do with the two of them and yeah Brannigan's massive because he'll equally set the tempo higher up the pitch yeah that's it uh, there's a bit of a theme going on with games at the moment when Fosu starts because Fosu is just unbelievable and we all know he's got that kind of gliding pace but after about 60 minutes he just looked absolutely gone again and there was one moment where he picked we were countering from one of their corners picked up the ball near the halfway line had just endless space to run into on the right wing but I think their centre-back managed to catch him up at one point. And you could just tell he looked absolutely like spent. Um, that, must, but... that must be the reference to a pacey winger that we're talking about trying to sign, not to put aside Robbie Hall's um, progress. But Fosu's in the team a lot of the time because he's just rapid and, and can do something, even if he is absolutely knackered and they know he's knackered. Mm. I think he's just there because we don't have any other pace per se. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's going to be it's going to come a, a major problem pretty soon or he gets injured. I just think he needs it. I think he'll get a rest next Saturday when we're in the FA Cup. I think he'll he'll get a rest because he looks like he, need, he needs one or he needs to at least find a bit of fitness to get that kind of second win from somewhere. Um. Anyway, nothing was kind of massively troubling us, as I said. Uh, weren't holding possession particularly well. Uh, but then it was a funny bit of commentary in the lead-up um, to the to the Matty Taylor goal, the, well, our third, Matty Taylor's second, where Jerome was saying that he was a, what did he say, bystander or a, a passenger, I think it was. So he was just saying to Nick, you know, Matty Taylor's been a bit of a passenger in the second half. And then James Henry kind of gets on the ball and then plays it into Taylor and then absolutely great finish. Connor, did you enjoy that second goal for Taylor? <clears throat> yeah, nice work from, uh, from Henry. I saw, I think it was on... I don't know if it was, I can't remember if it was you on Twitter actually, or someone on Twitter saying that he turned into Messi for a couple of seconds as he uh, 
gift, uh, drifted past a couple of players and obviously played a nice little ball into to the feet of, of Taylor. And again, great finish. You know, I I'd, oh wow, I don't actually have a house, but if I did have a house, I'd stick my house on him scoring. Because um, in that position, you know, inside the box, you, you, you're banking on Matty Taylor hitting the target at least. Uh, and obviously found the bottom corner really nicely. Um, so yeah, another another good goal for him. And that's now eight goals in, in 10 games. So that's pretty it. decent. It makes such a difference having a striker that doesn't it? is yeah, that it lethal. Just... I don't, just since Bino, I don't think we've had had one like it, have we, Jack? No, I think you're right. I mean, Dan, Danny Hilton often scored, but he needed three or four chances in a match to score, whereas Taylor's kind of conversion rate must be pretty high, I think. Yeah, and you could argue about Roof as well being part of that, but again, he was kind of a winger converted into a striker as such, but he still did obviously have a good strike rate. Uh so then we had a couple of changes. So um, <laughs> uh, Aji basically came on the pitch at that exact moment. I think earlier on there were a few changes as well. I'm trying to think. Hall came on for Ford. Moore came on for Gorin. Um, but yeah, this was just fantastic. So <laughs> Dan Aji literally uh, ran on the pitch as Southend were kicking off for the after the third goal. Um, the ball just kind of... Again, it was Southend just dillying around. They just kind of played it loosely off one of our players. It kind of ricocheted to Dan Aji just inside kind of the Southend half. And then off he went. His first touch was kind of picking up the loose ball, drove into the heart, the kind of Southend half, two players on him in close pursuit, but they couldn't get close enough to him. And then he kind of placed a bobbly shot. There's a bit of contention about, about the finish, but I thought it was actually pretty decent considering kind of the pace he was running at. The fact he was moving away from goal, like maybe didn't catch it as he'd liked, but it was still a good finish in my book. John, what a moment. The limbs behind the goal. You look you can't really see what's going on to the left hand side of the screen as well in the highlights. There's some kind of thing just lobbed in the air when that goes in, but it's a <laughs> glorious moment. Yeah, he just he's just the charging over to the fans, teammates all over him. And he's been a weird one <laughs> all all season. We still don't know quite what the Adji spell has been bound on him or whatever but it's just great for him to get off the mark and especially as the team's so so confident and we Taylor might have a little off run and he might be able to step in but he just needs to score and feel that confidence but it was great to see him he just looked he just looked so thrilled and that's what you want to see yeah someone was saying that all of the team including people from you know the subs bench were just sprinting up to go and try and join in the celebrations like it meant it meant a lot to the whole team there was a lot of chat about kind of unity in the squad after the game as well. And we'll, I guess we'll get to the reaction in a minute from Big Dan himself. But ultimately, 4-0, away win. Um, my mate Alex, who I think a few of you met at the Lincoln game, was was there. And his last game was the Lincoln game. So he's had a 6-0 and a, and a 4-0. But yeah, that was our first victory of Roots Hall, as we said, since 2003. Unbeaten run in all competitions to 15 games. And I think it's... Uh, 10 games in the league unbeaten, seven wins and three draws. And I think this is right. I've nabbed it from someone, but 27 goals and four conceded during that time. This is a good time to be an Oxford fan, isn't it, Connor? (laughs) It definitely is a good time to be an Oxford fan. It's just such a shame that I live so far away, but I'm coming home for Christmas for just over a month uh, in a couple of weeks and I'm fitting in so many games so it'll be great over the Christmas period but please if we suddenly start going on a shit run don't blame me 
Although it probably will be my fault because <laughs> I, I swear to God, I was like the curse last year with all the away losses. Because um, all the away games I went to last year, we just kept getting battered until we finally won at Blackpool last year. So yeah. I might be a curse. So if it all goes downhill, then people might come for me, but please don't. So fingers crossed. Well, we'll keep it up. You can just run back. To, you can run back to Belfast, can't you? So. Or, yeah. or swim back I'll, if you keep threatening to. I'll swim, swim back, yeah. yeah Get back, back on that lilo. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Um, as long as it's a swan. I knew I made a note somewhere in the pod notes about Cam Brannigan and possession and stuff, and I put it here. So the stats were quite weird after the game, and we had 37% possession, and the, that was where I was going to make the point about Brannigan kind of not being in the side and whether that really influences our kind of possession stats that much. It was it was just a strange kind of game, but it did feel that most of Southend's possession was just sat with their kind of back four, just aimlessly doing nothing. So, oh well. Um, we had 20, 20 shots, 12 of which on target, um, three corners. Lovely stuff. I love my corners, as you all know. Um, Reaction. So KR was saying our shape was brilliant. Game plan was to sit a bit deeper than usual as per what we were saying earlier. Um, big moment, obviously, for Dan Aji. First three, four steps, left players in their wake is what he was saying. That's why we brought him in to give us something a bit different up there. Um, not a bad injury for Baptiste, he confirmed. Uh, and then he said he could trust Anthony Ford to play anywhere at this football club. So I expect him <laughs> to be in net at the next game. Yeah. So... Uh, <laughs> Someone, did any of you catch the EFL on Quest? Yeah, Stuff? that was me. Yeah, yeah, I watched that today. Um, it's basically it's part of my Sunday routine is to sit and watch that every every Sunday. Um, yeah, KR just basically for for his little thirty odd second snippet at the end of the game on the uh, on EFL Quest, he he just praised Matty Taylor and basically just said how nice it is to have him playing up top for us and what a great goal scorer he is. And he also mentioned how. Uh, during the discussions of bringing him in, that there were quite a few talks around getting him in on a permanent basis. So perhaps, like we've already mentioned, that might be top of the priority list for January. So we'll see. Fingers crossed. Did you manage to do any digging on kind of um, reaction from a South End point of view? Yeah, so Campbell. Um, again, his little his little thing on on Quest. He basically was very complimentary of Oxford and you know gave said hats off to us and how well we played and that we looked like a well managed and a top side um, and he, he did say at the end of his interview he said we need to get to that level and I thought to myself yeah well good luck with that soul because that's quite a long way off mate at the moment from what their what their side's putting out um, and then a little bit more reaction from him um, elsewhere I so saw on, on Twitter and, and also on uh, around a little interview that he did for Southend's local media. He said about how disappointed he was that he gave the ball away. Or not he, sorry, the, the players gave the ball away so easily on multiple occasions. But again, obviously, like we said earlier, I think it's slightly unfair on us, actually, because I think we, you know, our pressing game is fantastic. Um, yeah. And he also just said um, that, you know, we... They gave they gave the ball away too easily, and they just gifted us a couple of goals, uh, made it too easy for us, um, and that they've got to look at themselves really and cut out the mistakes. and And clearly, um, they do because they are struggling at the moment. And I know we've still got quite a long way to go yet to the end of the season, but you know, I, I'm not convinced that Sol will be able to work his magic because uh, no. they look a bit dodgy, don't they? You heard it here first. <laughs> 
yeah. they've got. A, they'll go down. I'm almost convinced. You put your house on it, I think. Yeah. Uh, but that was about it from Seoul. Okay. Dan Adji was obviously in the interviews on Radio Oxford, and I think he did one on Yellow Play as well. But he, it was quite a nice, humble um, interview where he had a lot of perspective. And for a young man, I was quite happy with that. So he kind of understood why he wasn't in the picture at the moment with the team doing so well. He was just saying he's focusing on making an impact when he comes on and when he gets a chance. And KR had basically emphasised to Adji that no one can live with him when he's absolutely on it. And he repeated that in the interview to say that KR had given him that feedback straight after the game. See, that's what I'm telling you. That's, you know, that's, you've got that. You can do that. And it sounded like it really hit home in the way that he was kind of passionately delivering that within the interview, which was really nice. Um, Nathan and, uh, Jerome on Radio Oxford were kind of just saying, I think it was Nathan that was saying there's a feeling around the club at the moment. It just, they don't want to say the dreaded P word is how they, they phrased it. But something feels different and it feels similar to recent times when we've absolutely smashed it in seasons. There's kind of a genuine trust around the playing staff and that they're just enjoying each other's company. And it's a proper squad effort at the moment. And it's making a huge different difference on the pitch. So you know, as I was listening to that, I was just getting way overexcited, just absolutely nodding <laughs> my head. Um, but it's just, it's ridiculous to be winning games by the margin. We're winning them at, at the places that we're going and it just feels yeah. insane. But I mean, um, it's very hard as a fan not to get a little bit carried away with this, isn't it? Um, I mean, I can see how KR's or, and the rest of the coaching staff have got quite a job on their hand to make sure the players keep grounded because, you know, we're not even in January yet, but it's, it's an exciting time and, you know, I'm as a fan anyway, you just expect a good performance now every week. It's almost like the expectation yeah. so high for the players and for the staff. So, you know, as long as we keep it going, we'll, we'll certainly be in and around, in and around it at the end of the season. Definitely. That's it. Uh, Matty Taylor had some, no, I really like listening to Matty Taylor. He's such a calming man. Um, nice comments. Um, half from him, Ari, kind of wanting Dan Aji to get off the mark and talked about how, from experience, that's a pain. And, you know, it's such a difficult time for a striker to be on the bench. You know, you can't prove yourself because you're not in the team and you need to be in the team to prove yourself. It's like a catch-22, hard stuff. Uh, but, yeah, really good kind of solid interviews from him. I'm hoping, as we've all said, that he's still around as a permanent member of staff going into next year. But any kind of closing comments, Jack? Happy, 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 happy? Well, yeah, I mean, you've got to be, haven't you? Um and as you've just said, we're winning at places that we never win at. And that's why I think everyone's getting a little bit kind of excited. But I think I said uh, yesterday on one of the WhatsApp groups that the, the biggest test for me is when we eventually do lose, because we will lose again, is how we react to that. Um, but I, I think, yeah, I, we're right to be getting a little bit excited, I think. John, how excited are you? Have you got your happy, excited socks on? Yeah, they, they um, put them on this morning thinking that's the question James will ask me <laughs> later on the pod. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, this is sustained, like, you know, it's not an unbeaten run where actually it's just a load of draws like we saw at times last season. This is win after win, not not conceding as well. And, and equally, the injuries are not having much impact. Players seem to be coming into the system that's now quite established. And I think those tweets to it have worked. So as as I think Connor said, it's early doors, but I think we've got to be quite excited about the fact we're sustaining the performances 
and even just nicking sums. I mean, I think Matty Taylor said that that wasn't actually that great a performance at Southend and they are all right, they're bottom and everything, but it's winning well and we're, and we're putting four, three, four past teams. Yeah, so now I think you've got to be, the, the socks will be on for a few more weeks, I think. Yeah, I expect as part of the analysis of the game, they'll be looking at how often we ended up, we did give the ball away an awful lot as per the possession stats. Um, yeah. So I reckon the team will still be focusing on you know, the intricacies of the game, regardless of the result. So that's the kind of what you would expect of KR and the and the coaching staff at the moment. But I was going to uh, talk about the table, but we'll do that as part of the League One summary. Are you ready for this, guys? I'm not, I'm not sure I can uh, live up right. to that now. That's, wow. Um <laughs> <laughs> Does anyone know, for a bonus point, does anyone know where that's from? Can you guess? Sounds like a Nintendo 64 game. Yeah, I was going to say something like that. Close, close. It sounds sounds 90s, put it that way. It it was uh, from Streets of Rage on the Mega Drive. Oh, very good. Yeah, from 1991. It was 90s. Yeah, it was 90s. I wasn't even born in 1991. The reason it's relevant for an interlude is because it's the round complete music. So we just Very completed good. the section and I do the sound and then... Very good. Thanks, Get guys. You. Mate, you're on it. I love it. Cheers. Jack? Okay, so um, <laughs> how do I follow that? Um, League One. So there was a strange bit of kind of news come out this week that um, the EFL had appointed an independent panel to look into the whole Bolton um, cancelling games against Brentford at the back end of last season and then Doncaster this season. Um, And the EFL have now said they're going to appeal against the lenient sentence. So essentially Bolton aren't going to have points deducted straight away. That It's kind of a suspended sentence. Um, But I just thought it was bizarre that the EFL, who run the Football League and write the regulations, etc., got someone outside of the EFL to look into it, which for me shows they, they clearly don't have a written yeah. process and perhaps, um, you know, is that, you know, they, sh- they should have one. What, what, what do we think? John, I'll let you talk. <laughs> I do too much talking. No, I, I saw it and thought that just doesn't make absolute sense, almost going against yourself. Um, and it, it just seems, I mean, I was, I spoke to a Bolton fan and they were fully expecting to get this points deduction because it, goes with consistency um so no i I think it's just the efl getting exposed again really i'm kind of glad for that bolton haven't been but it does set a bit of a weird precedent yeah i mean you would you would have thought that within the rules it would say if you fail to fulfill a fixture then you will be docked three points about it but it we see it every season that when there's like ineligible players there doesn't seem to be a uniform rule either so it seems a bit um Wishy-washy, really. Um, talking of Bolton, as we look at results, they had a rather bad day at Accrington. Um, well, the first five minutes was all right because they went 1-0 up, but um, they then conceded an equaliser, had a centre-back sent off and went on to lose 7-1. Um, and I did notice they took over 2,500 fans, which obviously it's just down Aww. the road, but they, <laughs> um, they uh, rather took over Accrington, I think. That is, yeah, I wonder if any of them talked about the times when they were in like the UEFA Cup, yeah. and then with Cam- Campo and what's the fella's name? God, Jorge. Jorge. 
Jorkayev, that's it, and Akotcha. And now they're losing a league game 7-1 at Accrington. It's the first time yeah. that they've played Accrington as well, isn't it, in, the, in a league game? Yeah. So I heard on, on the on EFL the today. So, I mean, that's not that's not a great record, is it? <laughs> not at all. No. I, they're yeah. probably still riding the wave of still having, a, you know, being happy having a ha- club. Having a club, most, yeah, yeah. So most important thing. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, elsewhere, kind of down the bottom, uh, MK Dons were 2-0 up, but managed to throw that away and lose to Rotherham. Uh, Tranmere lost again, this time at Fleetwood. And actually, um, I was having a look, Rochdale have lost five in a row now. And I think when we played them at home, if they'd have beaten us, they would have gone above us. So they've really dropped off a cliff recently. Um, mm. Turning to the kind of top of the league. So Wickham won again, uh, last minute penalty winner. Um, I feel like they oh. score a lot of late goals. Did you? I, I don't know if any of you saw that that penalty decision. Have you seen I've, it? I've read about it. It was allegedly it's, a foul on Akin Fenway. It's hilarious. The bloke... The bloke tries to win a header against Akin Fenwell, but he just absolutely clatters into the back of him. And you think of all the players in probably in world football that you wouldn't do that to, it's yeah. Akin Fenwell. Like he's just not gonna move. And yeah, it was just like it was just ridiculous. And it was a penalty, it definitely was. It was just such a stupid decision from the Doncaster uh, did, defender. Did Akin Fenwell move or did he stay completely? Well, still? no, no, Akin Fenwell did fall over. Like he to be mm. fair, the bloke did actually proper clatter him but you do think of all the players to do that against it wouldn't be it wouldn't be Bayo because he's a big lad and he so uh, it was a silly challenge and, and obviously the the Wickham lad stuck it in the net and they've extended their lead at the top haven't they yeah so starting to make me feel a bit ill their kind of lead at the top it's alright we'll do it, it is, they've got 10, uh, 10 points above us yeah I reckon <laughs> we'll do him. we'll do him in um, so yeah, their their late win and Ipswich only drawing at home means Wickham are five points clear at the top. Although Ipswich do have two games in hand. Um, Peterborough also scored a late winner to beat Burton. Uh, Coventry drew at Sunderland and Rotherham, as I said, came from behind at MK Dons. Um, Bristol Rovers won a seven goal thriller at Shrewsbury, so they're, they're up to ninth now. They keep seem to have a good good result, then a bad result. They're a bit all over the place. Um, mm. And Pompey won again, so they're now five or six unbeaten, starting to uh, get the, the wheels turning, it seems. Just on Peterborough, um, I was really surprised that after our four-goal victory on yesterday, that we were still not the... Well, we weren't the top scorers in the, in the league. So I think they've still scored three more league goals than us. But Yeah, they've scored 40, I think, now. Yeah, but I was really surprised at that. I thought we surely... I was like, surely now we're like the top scoring league club in the country or something like that, but we're still not quite there. Are we are we not the top goal scorers in, in the country in all competitions though? I think we must yeah, we've got we were we were there before and it's not like we've taken our foot off the gas, is it? So Yeah, I'm I'm sure we still are that, which is a pretty mean feat in it. It's, yeah. yeah it's, I just it's good. I want more stats like that so when people like laugh that I support Oxford at work yeah. and think we're irre- irrelevant, I can chuck things like yeah. that at them. Yeah. So oh, oh mate, honestly, that's what I do. I mean, not being funny, there, there aren't many Oxford United supporters in uh, in Northern Ireland and the people I speak to <laughs> over here, especially at work when they ask me who I support. Because I play, I play five-a-side football and stuff at, at work and I always wear my Oxford shirt and I get asked actually every week because the pe- people rotate and they're like, who's that? It's like, what do you mean, who's that? Read the badge. It's the one and only. Exactly. 
But yeah, at least I can throw stats at them. Good stats. Sorry. So yeah, no. <laughs> all that all that means that we're now back in the playoffs uh, positions, but only on goal difference. Although our goal difference is now the best in the league, so um, that that's another positive. Um, but interestingly, and I can't get my head around this, despite being what is it, ten games unbeaten in the league, we're still only five points above twelve, twelfth even, and some teams. Mm-hmm kind of within that gap, have a game in hand. So there's quite a lot of other teams starting to put runs together. We can't quite shake the chasing pack off, if you like. Um, and as, as you mentioned, James, the comparison of the table at the same stage last season, obviously we were uh, sat in the bottom four on 15 points. So we've almost got you know double that this season. Um, but if, if we compare like for like... Um, 29 points this season puts her in the playoffs and it would have done last year as well. So the table at this stage is very, very similar in terms of kind of the, the gaps between top playoffs and mid-table. So, Yeah, I, I also thought something was interesting correlating, uh, you know, 17 games last year to this season is that Portsmouth were top of the league and flying but at that point in time. 38 points from 17. Wickham have got 39 from 18. So you could argue maybe Pompey was slightly better. And look how they fell away second half of the season. So the chair boys, you know, are they going to do the same thing? You'd like the to choir, think so. The choir boys. <laughs> chair boys. Who are the chair boys? I have no idea, but I want to know now. <laughs> uh, got, let's let's call them that from now on. Wickham are chair massive boys. local rivals, the chair boys. I thought they they sold a lot of chairs in Wickham at the John Lewis or something. Oh, I, th- I thought that was just Simon Eastwood's wife that does that. Yeah, Why am I thinking chair boys? Anyway, carry on. Chair, I know, I know, I'm right. I think you are right. Chair boys right. is Wickham. Okay, chair boys okay. is Wickham. Oh, uh, take it back. Yeah. Oh no, full apologies. <laughs> you owe me a massive one. I'm so. I'm yeah. definitely not editing this I've out. Just done this it. Just done it live on the pod. What, what more do you want? <laughs> I mean, in writing. I mean, the, who's the choir boys? Then? The, the choir boys are a band. They're a boy band. Maybe we need a jingle of them. <clears throat> yeah, hang on. The Choir Boys is an Australian hard rock and Australian oh, there you go, yeah. rock band uh, from Sydney. Well, there you go. Easy mistake. <laughs> well, next week. There's always next week. Yeah, watch out. James does seem to switch him up a bit, doesn't he? So you never know what's coming next. Sorry, Jack. We keep on destroying your section with choir chat. No, we're uh, we're, we're there. We're, uh, we're we're done. Okay, we're done. John, what would you like for an interlude? Do you want uh, Streets of Rage or traditional? Traditional. Uh. Go on, John. Add it then. Add the partridge. Ah. Oh. <laughs> Preview sponsored by Dettol. <laughs> We're not sponsored by Dettol before we get in more trouble for this episode's various infringements. Uh, right, preview, crack on. Um, well, Jack got his wish for an away day in Walsall, whereas me and James selfishly wanted to go to Darlington. So we're, we're playing Walsall. Um, this is a damned if we don't do anything but win, really. They're, they're really struggling. 22nd in League Two. Um, and they drew nil-nil yesterday with Stevenage, who were 23rd. Wow. <laughs> so that must have been an absolute classic. Classic. <laughs> um, I mean, they'd lost their three really? games before that. And they went down last season. I mean, we beat them away, effectively securing our position in the league, it felt like. Um, and it was the one where Cashy got sent off for celebrating, which... Um, did any of you go to that? <laughs> I, I just remember thinking, yeah, it was hilarious. You were like, yes. 
it was fantastic to see him come waving his shirt around his head, streaming across the pitch. <laughs> it wasn't even a hint was, of, why oh, has he been brilliant. sent off? It was a, that's obviously for celebrating, but we don't care. <laughs> but we were down to nine and, and cracked on from that. So, oh. um, I mean, they have won, they've won the last three games, but two of them were, were cup games, obviously beating Darlington. But before I briefly chat about them as a team, so I did watch a bit of Walsall Darlington. Jack, you mentioned something on the WhatsApp group about we've turned down the option to have the game on the Sunday. What was that about? Yeah, so KR said that we wanted as much time because we've got the leasing.com tin pot surprise also windscreen super cup or something on Tuesday. <laughs> um, I think that we wanted as much time um, to kind of prepare for that. Um, and yeah, we, we were asked if we wanted to be one of the, you know, the BBC kind of broadcast right. games where they dip in and out. And we said no. But Exeter, we play in the Tin Pot Surprise, um, are playing on a Sunday, which is why our Tin Pot Surprise is now the Wednesday or something. I didn't quite understand, but the short of it was we said no to a Sunday game. I mean, not, yeah, not on telly, I suppose, as well. Um, all right, fair enough. Well, I said I watched a bit of the Walsall-Darlington game, and I think we're they're just a very functional team, much like they were last season. Lots of long ball centre-backs just work into the full-backs and into the channels and a bit of wing play if the ball fell to them. So I think it's going to be a game that we just need to scrap our way through. And watching that game, they were only going to win through a scrappy goal or a set-piece, which they did. Um, Callum Lavery, who was at Sheffield United and thought was quite a promising player, he scored off a corner. And him and Josh Gordon, who was his strike partner, both looked lively and quite quick when they actually got the ball. Um but I think that they weren't trying to play football whatsoever. And Daryl Clark, who you know is a good manager, um, said after the game it was a win at all costs type of way. So they're just going to be grinding it out. So I don't think it's going to be a, a classic. Um, the other player that did look decent was um, Wes McDonald, who was quite a lively winger, sort of drifted past players with no ease, but then had a complete lack of end product. With no ease? With- Made it really hard. Well, as you know, I'm making mistakes left, right, centre. So, um, Sorry, yeah, just just pull that one out. I'll, I'll. Do you want another? You want another apology for that, don't you? It's just grind me into the floor. Um, well, Wes McDonald can do what he wants, whether he can or not get past. Play. He looks lively enough, so I thought I'd mention him. Um, pubs, because I forgot that last time, so James won't tell me off again. Um, but pretty limited, really. I mean, I, I went to this pub. I think it was the King George V. It felt like a half Chinese, half English pub. It was a bit random. There's also the Parking Hotel, which is next to the ground. They claim that they do sell beer to away fans in the ground as well, which I thought was the norm anyway. Um, Jack's made a good shout in that he suggests people stay in Birmingham and get the train, but there are train strikes that day, so it could be a bit dodgy, so sort of plan ahead. But um, getting swiftly to predictions, Connor, what do you reckon? Uh, I'm going to go with a similar scoreline to Saturday, 4-0. Oh. Yeah, I'm going to say 2-0. Job done, move on. Jack, put a bow on it. Uh, I think we will win by one goal, 1-0. Yeah, I think we'll carry on the run. Might be a bit horrible, but I think we'll get it done as well. So yeah, I'd go for a 2-0. Do you think Dan Adji will start, John? I think you've got to be, he's got to be saying to KR, look, I'm not going to start. When am I going to start? 
Mackie will be um, available again though so I suppose that's a an option just to sort of have a good scrap from the start because that will be what what Warsaw will bring it bring it down to um, but I think he's got to start Hall's got to start um, imagine Ford will probably play Baptiste will drop out so yeah I, I think you've got to certainly put three or four in from last lineup definitely okay good stuff Round over. Right, we're on to on this day. I'm doing it. I'm doing it this week. Uh, so I, we're on 56 minutes, chaps. We need to make it nice and quick. No comments on the jingles. Uh, 23rd November 2010. Uh, this this game resonated with me actually. So we played Chesterfield away. Um, we were, well, Chesterfield were top of League Two at the time. I'm pretty sure it was a Tuesday night. We were languishing one point off the bottom after five consecutive defeats. Uh, Chesterfield took the lead early on in the first half. Ian Morris's shot from 25 yards beat Ryan Clark. Uh, we ended up levelling second half when Tom Craddock headed in after great work from Mr. Simon Heslop and uh, Steve McLean. Good old Steve McLean. Um, and then, yeah, Steve McLean for the third time. Uh, he scored the win. <laughs> he scored the winner. Steve McLean more. Is it McLean or McLean? I thought it was McLean, mm. to be honest, but... Well, I'm going to stick with McLean now. So, sounds better. Really clean. He scored the winner, uh, side-footing home from close range. Um, just, just adding to our lit-bang endorsement. <laughs> but I, re- I remember listening into this game, because I, I was meant to go, couldn't make it. Um, like I said, I think it was a Tuesday, and they were absolutely battering us at the end. So again, we hadn't won. We'd you know, lost our last five games, beating the team that were top of the league. Um, it was fantastic, and it was so we ended up winning two one. They ended up they hit the bar as well right at the end of the match. Um, huge win. We built loads of confidence up after that. Went on to win six out of the last of the next seven games, and the only side that we lost to during that mini run, you can bloody guess it was Southend. Hmm. Um, so there we go. But yeah, McLean, McLean, he was a bit of a cult hero for a bit, wasn't he? He kind of there's that photo that was quite iconic in the blue kit away at Torquay where he's stepping on the ball doing a little salute or something. Does anyone remember that? Yeah, he had that sort of Steve Basham feel to him. Quite classy striker. And I think we had him for a season and then couldn't couldn't keep him or something like that. Yeah. yeah he, was, he was decent. I think he went back up to Scotland. But uh, there you go. Right, done. On to last pick, Jack. Let's see how quickly we can get through this. Yeah. Uh, so last week we had a long, 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 long discussion about central midfielders, um, which resulted in us putting two polls up and kind of designating them pre-2006 and post-2006. Uh, in the pre-2006 section, we had Peter Fear, Derek Townsley, Rob Wollaston and Rob Quinn. And Peter Fear just nicked that vote ahead of Rob Wollaston. And he'll be joined in midfield by Chemi Fernandez, who... Uh, convincingly was voted ahead of Eddie Hutchinson, Joe Burnell and Dan Crowley. So Chemi and Peter Fear go into the last pick 11. Um, Rats. Which now means we're on to strikers. And yet again, there's, I mean, there's millions. Um, just pulled a couple couple of things off Yellow's forum relating to suggestions. So we've got Jamie Slabber, who was described as an entitled, lazy, thief-stealing as a career as a pro. Uh, played for Tottenham once and dined out on it for years 
And Marvin <laughs> Robinson, who was described as as much goal threat as a bowl of cornflakes. Um, <laughs> I, mean, I think they're two, two good calls. Strong. Um, yeah. I was going to mention Tim Sills, who was a goal machine in the conference for Aldershot. We signed him and paid a bit of money for him. He couldn't do it in League Two, uh, just scored once, so we released him about six months later. Um, the other one I was going to say was Steve Antrobus, who was just a bit of a lump, oh, really. The, the bus. Three, three goals and 55 appearances, and having just looked at his career, he didn't really score goals anywhere, so how he can play to be a striker is obscene. Um. He he awoke me to the existence of a uh, total network solutions in the Welsh football league because that's who he went on <laughs> later on in life. God, he was awful. What? But you've got any others, John? I know you've suggested a few on the WhatsApp. Uh, yeah, Anthropus was one of a big one for me. Um, Derek Lilly, who was a lot of hype but just barely did anything. Uh, Richie Foran, Gary Twig, who was another one of these like he was a Jim Smith had him at Derby player who came down, looked great for about two minutes and then just seemed to get overwhelmed while the giant centre-backs clattering the hell out of him in League Two. So um, he was one. Um, yeah, I think that there were a few that came to him. I mean, there's so many of them. I think we'll just have to publish a giant list of all the names we have. Yeah, exactly. There's so many of them. What about you, Connor? Have you got any blasts from the past? Uh, not too many that spring directly to mind other than a few dodgy loan signings that we've had. Um, obviously there was that George Waring lad the six foot nine or whatever he was who was obviously from Stoke who was prompted to be quite a decent player and he turned out to be absolutely nothing um, couldn't head a ball for, for love nor money uh, there was obviously Nonjolet as well who we had online for a little bit um, but no I think I think some of obviously your boys and some of the guys you've suggested uh, I can't remember them to be fair you know I was still maybe I was too young or just didn't take enough notice of it um, but I think I think there's too many options already, yeah. so my additions won't make much of a difference. I don't think. What about you, James? Anyone you're desperate to shout out? <laughs> well, my the only thing, and it's extremely controversial. I don't think it's justified based on the the type of stats that we just had thrown around. But I I was only ten years old when Kevin Francis was in the Oxford team, and I had a season ticket at the Manor that year, ninety seven, ninety eight. And I think he he became like a prolific striker towards the back end of that season. Um, and the ball did just kind of hit him in various places on his upper body and go in the net. And he did score a few goals, but Jesus Christ, if we're talking like relative terms, like players, how effective they were in the league at the time. Yes, he was effective and he scored a few goals, but it was fucking, it was painful to watch at times. When the ball was on the deck, it was it was difficult. So I just remember he was a bit of a laugh. Everyone really enjoyed him being in the team. Great bloke. I'm sure he's a lovely man now. He's a policeman in Canada somewhere. That's another story. Um, but yeah, I just I just found that everyone around me, even though I was a kid, I just remember people laughing at him constantly when he tried to control the ball or if he fell over, his legs would just just went in weird directions. Like, so I don't think it's a shout, but. Yeah, from memory, that was just the, he was the man that stuck with me, and I don't hold him to account, obviously, for that fair tackle against Chelsea at the time. Well, nothing to do. There. Big, big Kev will be weeping into his tea when he hears that. Can't, no, you're you're on your own on that one, but it's it's a good line of um of, of discussion, definitely. Um, yeah. I mean, can I can I not mention? Uh, see, this is a little bit of a controversial one, but I never really warmed to him. Um, Ryan Taylor. 
Ooh. I don't. He was very good. He was a very good footballer for League Two, especially the second half of his time with us. Yeah, yeah, but the first bit was a bit dodgy. I was never really warm to him much. Um, okay, he's definitely not as bad as some of the guys we've mentioned, but I wasn't a fan of him. Put it that way, like as in if I'm just going off he's my not subjective pick, opinions on players. But yeah, you know, I love to throw a controversial one. I mean, I could even throw John Obika in there as well to piss some more people off, but I won't uh, do that. Some people would. To be fair, John, why John we said. John's not a bad shout, though, I don't think, actually. I th- the problem is, I think he would just smash it. He would just win it because people aren't going to know a lot of these other names. Yeah, um, yeah perhaps. Hang on, so yeah. what are we, are we just having... Are we doing two polls again similar to last time, Jack? What do you Yeah, have? I reckon so. We'll do a kind of pre-maybe uh, 2006 again. Although, as you said, I mean, there's so many. Um, we'll, just, we'll just get eight names down and go for there. The one, I did ask my dad for some kind of pre... 90s ones, and he came up with a few names. Uh, David Lee, Trevor Aylert, Wayne Biggins. And the the interesting one he came up with was Billy Whitehurst, who, having read about a bit about him, he was kind of a cult hero at Hull, went on to Newcastle, then we signed him. And uh, Rage Online's got a nice little quote saying, uh, he was one of those rare players who became popular with the crowd despite or possibly because of being crap. What he lacked in talent, he made up for in sheer brawn. So I think he was a bit of a non-goal-scoring thug, really. Um, he scored four goals in 40 games for us, and then we got rid. Um, so essentially, over the past 30 years or so, we've had a, we've had a lot of crap strikers who could all end up in the last pick. Um, but we'll, we'll pull some together for the polls. Right. Good stuff. On to the quiz. Are you guys ready for this? <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely not. Ben Perkis. <laughs> Michael Dubry on a bike. <laughs> Uh, Luke Foster. Uh, I thought I thought the objective was to keep this under an hour and a bit, and you've gone on with the longest jingle ever. I couldn't we've find. Just, we've just lost our entire listening base. Because... I know they've all. A is probably shocked the hell out of them. Or <laughs> people are probably crashed. On the A thirty four. I feel. I know um, it's a pod, but I feel the need to like go and find a shiny suit and grow a mullet in about ten seconds to present this quiz. <laughs> after that, Roy Roy Walker. Yeah, you need to go full Roy Walker. By the way, I didn't pre-record the names that were said during that, just <laughs> in case you thought. <laughs> Michael Dubry on a bike. I think we have to take turns for someone to have to fill that little interlude with the name. Maybe that's part of the entrance. But catchphrase was such a big part of my life, Gap Chaps. I wanted it to be part of the pod. So there you go. Shall we quiz? Okay. Very <sighs> good. Adrenaline hit. Um, are you ready? Bombshell. Are you ready to play a bit of a game of played for both? So this is oh. players who played for us and the enemy, Swindon. So it's oh, back, to the, uh, back to the shout-out formula. I'll give you a few clues and then name, shout, and we'll do 
we'll do 10 and uh, <laughs> see where we get to. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, do me. So, <laughs> so the first player, when this player arrived at Swindon, Andy King, the manager at the time, likened his talents to that of Thierry Henry. He joined Ooh. Oxford in 2005, scoring seven goals, and he was French. Jack. John Jack. Eric Sabin. That's the one. One point. Next player, a striker who made his name at Watford and Birmingham. He signed for Oxford under Graham Ricks and had a pretty successful season scoring 15 goals before turning down a contract extension. He'd come from Swindon the previous season. He was very bold. <laughs> and very angry. Bold. Oh, Jack. James. Jack, go on then. Tommy Mooney. Yeah. That's the one. Shit. Oh, that's I the never, only one I'm going to get I, at least. Well. I never knew he played for Swindon because I, I did think of Tommy Mooney, but. Oh, yeah, never he went knew to Wickham as well, didn't he? Yeah. Every, every day is a school day, that's what they say. Okay. Next player. Um, Defender slash midfielder. He came through our academy and he made 45 appearances over three seasons back in 2000. We then released him and later in his career he played for Swindon on loan from Wolves. He, he was a Welsh international over his career, played in the Premiership for Bolton and a lot for Hull. Any ideas? James. Go on, James. S Sam Ricketts? It was. I didn't know he played for Swindon when I was doing this, which was um, very good. Uh, next one, so this is a goalkeeper, and it's probably a bit random, and if you don't know the first point, then you probably won't get it, but this goalkeeper famously scored a last gasp goal to keep Carl... Jack. God, there you go. Yeah, Jack. Jimmy, Jimmy Glass. There it is. Classic. Right, this one's... Uh, so this person played for us and then managed Swindon. So slightly different. Uh, he played 27 times for England. Playing career was mostly famous playing for Derby. Also Birmingham, Nottingham Forest. He was a centre-back. He joined us at the end of his career and he went on to manage Swindon but didn't manage a full season. He then managed at Middlesbrough, Bolton and he was assistant manager to Jim Smith at parts of his career. Any ideas on that one? Jack. Sean Jack. Colin Todd, is it? That's the one. Jack, you are, as usual, wow. running away with it. Um, next one. Ooh. Oh no, Jingle's no, gone. come back. Here we go. So this player had two spells with us, originally signing for us back in the conference under Jim Smith. He then moved on to Newport and rejoined us in 2013, making 82 appearances. He played one season for, for Swindon. He had the prestige of being captain of Manu, the Manu Reserves, although he never played for them. But he did have some time at Swindon as well. James. Go on, James. Danny Rose. That's the one. Okay, next one. Uh, this was a player who played 23 games for us over three seasons back in 2010. He finished his career at Swindon in 2017. He played for York in the Conference 2010 playoff final, and he's been mentioned in the intro to this quiz. He's now PFA chairman. Jack. Oh, James. Jack. Oh. Ben Perkis. <laughs> yeah. When the, when the intro was being, I was like, James, of all the players to mention, you mentioned one of the answers. <laughs> um, so this one uh, was an attacker winger who, who joined Swindon under Decanio in 2011. 
His second game was against Oxford where he lasted 20 minutes before being injured. He fell out with De Canio, who then sent him on loan to Oxford, claiming he, claiming he wasn't worried about sending a player with good technical ability to his rivals as Swindon were a thousand miles ahead of us. He played just four games for the Yellows and he didn't impress to an extended deal. He was Algerian, if that helps. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I can picture him. I'll accept a mangled name on this one. Any guesses? Jack. Go on, Jack. Karouche? Karouche? Medi Karouche? Medi Karouche. Well, yeah. I, I don't even know how to pronounce it, so that sounded pretty good to me. Um, Jack, you were romping it, but we might as well finish off. Um, this player was a Tottenham Youth Wonder Kid. Um, but it didn't Connor. quite. Yeah, go on, Connor. John, o John Obika. No, wrong answer. Oh. Uh, he did play. For, John Obika did play for the Spurs, though. Yeah, definitely wasn't a wonder kid. No. Wow. Well, um, oh, true. I didn't actually catch that bit. <laughs> I just thought my mic's been broken for the last three minutes, three or four minutes. So, you know, I just thought I'd just test if it was working, but clearly not. No. I'll, I'll go back to it being broken. Fair enough. Well, um, he was just yeah, Tottenham wonder kid, but it didn't happen for him there. Went on loan to Swindon and failed to score in nine games. We signed him on loan from Gray's Athletic, and he played three games in the conference and he failed to score. Go on, Jack. Was this the aforementioned Jamie Slubber? It was. That was that was the next clue. He is the second person to feature already in this uh, in this podcast. Um, and final one, and I'm sure Jackie will get this wrong. Uh, it was an, this player as an attacking midfielder, striker. Uh, he joined Oxford in 0405 when we were in League Two, having played 70 times for Swindon before going to Barnsley, where he played most of his games. He was quite hyped around that time playing for Barnsley. But he then jumped around a bit, Sheffield United, Reading, Pompey, CSK, CSKA Sophia for some reason. But he was badly injured for us quite a lot and Map ended his contract early. But he's now James Henry's agent, if that helps whatsoever. Any idea? Who ended his contract early? Uh, Map, Michael Appleton. Any guesses? No. No. It was. Brian Howard. Oh, wow, yeah. But a conclusive seven points to two win for Jack there. Oh. Excellent. Just, uh, motivated by the drink. Oh, I'm very yeah. ups I'm very upset that John Obika didn't feature or Candice Carroll. Because well, at least I would have got one of those. But yeah. we're on, I, I, on the yeah, list. It's fine. We just just you know get rid of you know just don't be an excuse. Don't be an inclusive quiz for the younger ones. I'll see how it is. I mean, I was waiting for Lee Holmes to come back up as well. Oh, he, yeah. He talk, we talked about him before. Yeah, and I, was I, like, I, I nearly put him in for that reason. And then then you were, yeah. we were too busy naming all the answers during this week. So I just uh, <laughs> kept him in. Oh, God. Okay. Uh, long pod this week, then. What we're doing next week, we'll be uh, reviewing, obviously, the FA Cup game against Warsaw. We'll be previewing... Shrewsbury, is there a midweek auto windscreen special lurking around the corner? The yes, extra. there is. The Exeter City. Okay, yeah. well, we, we're we not going to preview that, are we? We'll just say it's happening. So, yeah, but then obviously you... another weekend at Shrewsbury. Um, okay. Guys, have you got any small talk? Because I need to... Um, it's really important that I managed to find and add back in the uh, the outro. 
because yeah. I've somehow I've misplaced it. Connor, can you just say something nice? I mean, we could do we could do something on reverse. We could ask Jack, "What did you have for dinner?" Ooh, I like I it. haven't I haven't eaten yet. I've not after the pod, but it's going to oh. be pasta. Oh, it's late. Late carbs. Fair play. Like it. Could you not late go? Jobs? Could you not go on a rogue jingle and just uh, or, or just grab grab it. your guitar? That's a, a serenaders. Yeah, come on. Live uh, guitar. Your favourite ever Oxford United not doing star. That. <laughs> <laughs> on reflection, um, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> okay. On reflection. <laughs> goodbye. Thank you for listening. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Mm-hmm.